Hello everyone! Welcome to your weekly tech update, the show that explores the newest, coolest, and sometimes admittedly mind-boggling side of tech available on the interwebs. I am your tech leader, Ray McNeil. Coming up on the program today, we're talking the Motorola Razr. It's one of the few folding screen phones on the market. Well, its hinge was just put through a durability test, and it only lasted 27,000 folds. That's only a year or two of use. We'll talk about that and the emoji jacket, which can help cyclists communicate their never-ending rage to drivers. And happening in this week's What The, AI helped upscale an antique 1896 film to 4K, and you gotta check the results out for yourself. That and a whole lot more coming up on today's edition of your weekly tech update next. Hi everyone. Since foldable phones are still far from common, a lot of potential customers want to know how durable they are before shelling out up to $2,000 for one. CNET has put the new Motorola Razr to the test by folding it repeatedly for thousands of times using a machine called the FoldBot by Square Trade. The result? Its hinge started to act, quote, wonky by around 27,000 folds. To note, a 2017 study found that Americans check their phones 80 times per day. That means the Razr could start showing problems within a year. Now, last year, CNET conducted the same test on the Samsung Galaxy Fold, which lasted for 14 hours or 119,000 folds on the machine. The FoldBot was actually designed to test Samsung's device, but the publication had it modified for the Razer with the goal of reaching 100,000 folds. However, the host of the live stream had to cut the testing short when the phone's hinge started making noises and showing resistance after almost four hours. It also looked uneven and out of alignment when the phone is closed. That said, the Razer screen still worked and looked just fine even after its hinge started giving out. The Galaxy Fold screen broke by the end of the test, but then again it lasted much longer and the machine was calibrated to fold it all the way through each time. For the Razer test, the machine only folded the device halfway. The federal government has granted its first driverless car exemption. Neuro's second-generation vehicle, R2, was approved for regulatory exemption by the U.S. Department of Transportation and National Highway Traffic and Safety Administration. This decision provides regulatory certainty for Neuro to operate the second-generation self-driving vehicle built to carry packages instead of people. The DOT exemption supports Nero's development of the zero-occupant R2 on public roads without certain equipment required for passenger vehicles. Side and rear-view mirrors, for instance, are replaced with cameras 
and sensors. The windshield is exchanged for a more protective front panel, a milestone for industry regulation. And HTSA's decision comes after three years of discussion and calibration between the government agency and Neuro. The exemption request submitted in October of 2018 garnered support from officials in the city of Scottsdale, Arizona. That's where Nero piloted its first-gen vehicle, delivery partner Kroger, other automakers, autonomous tech firms, clean energy advocates, and local citizens. R2 will soon join Euro's fleet of self-driving Prius vehicles in Houston, making deliveries to consumers on public roads. DOT has taken a critical first step in enabling safety innovations, but exemptions are a temporary fix for an industry that's reimagining what it means to drive. Moving forward, we must modernize the existing regulations that never envisioned a vehicle without a driver or occupants. And everyone in the industry must work to ensure self-driving vehicle technology is tested and deployed in the safest possible vehicles. Neuro was founded in 2016 with driverless pods hit the road in December of 2018 ferrying groceries to Scottsdale locals. Nero teamed up with Domino's and Walmart last year to serve select Houston households as well. This exemption and the second generation Neuro vehicle are first for the autonomous vehicle industry and they will be followed by many, many more. And happening in this week's Elon Musk news, SpaceX is planning to spin out and pursue a public offering of its budding space internet business, Starlink, giving investors a chance to buy into one of the most promising operations within the closely held company. Space Exploration Technologies Corporation has already launched more than 240 satellites to build out Starlink, which will start delivering internet access to to customers from space sometime this summer. President Gwynne Shotwell said Thursday at a private investor event hosted by J.P. Morgan Chase and company in Miami, right now we are a private company. But Starlink is the right kind of business that we can go ahead and take public. That particular piece is an element of the business that we are likely to spin out and go public with, they said. Public investors up to this point had limited ways to own a piece of SpaceX, which has become one of the most richly valued venture-backed companies in the U.S. by dominating the commercial rocket industry. It flies satellites into orbit for customers, including the U.S. military, carries cargo to the International Space Station, and aims to start flying NASA astronauts and high-paying tourists soon as well. But the rocket launch business remains competitive and tough. Starlink and its ability to provide high-speed internet access across the globe has helped private investors in SpaceX justify a roughly $33 billion valuation. Musk has long maintained that the parent is unlikely to go public until it is regularly ferrying people to Mars. 
SpaceX is one of a handful of players that wants to build out a space internet system that can serve people who struggle to access the web today via fiber optic and cellular connections. Starlink would beam down relatively high-speed data from its network of satellites orbiting Earth. Over the coming years, SpaceX intends to place thousands of satellites into orbit and will increase the bandwidth of its service with each new launch. Exactly how many people will be willing to pay for this service remains an open question. Biking in cities can be exhilarating, but it can also be a harrowing and dangerous experience. In 2018, over 850 cyclists were killed by vehicle drivers in the U.S. That's an increase of 6.3% over the previous year. Over 2,000 cyclists are killed by drivers on the road in Europe every year. Cyclists try to make themselves more visible to drivers by wearing reflective clothing and blinking lights, but it never seems to be quite enough. So here comes Ford once again with a novel solution, an emoji jacket. As part of its Share the Road campaign to improve cycling safety, the automaker's European division designed a cycling jacket with an LED display on the back that lights up with various emojis to convey the cyclist's mood. A smiley face indicates a happy cyclist, a frowny face a less happy one, and so on. There are also directional symbols for when a cyclist intends to make a turn and a hazard symbol when they may be experiencing a flat tire. Emojis have become a fundamental part of how we use language, said Neil Cohn, a linguist. Whether used to convey facial expressions, humor, or sarcasm, they've become integral to our ability to express ourselves and quickly. This jacket, created in partnership with Ford Share the Road, allows riders to express their feelings and creates an important emotional link between them and other road users. In addition to linguists, Ford worked with cyclists and industrial designers from DesignWorks on the jacket, but the jacket is just a proof of concept as many Ford projects are. And it's unclear whether Ford intends to bring them to market, but of course I'll keep you updated as soon as I hear if indeed we will get to purchase this. Well, one day anyway. Uber Advanced Technologies Group has been issued a permit that would allow the company to put its autonomous vehicles back on public roads in California. This nearly after two years that the company scaled back its testing program following a fatal crash in Arizona that killed a pedestrian. Uber doesn't have immediate plans to put its autonomous vehicles on public roads in San Francisco. That is where it previously was testing too. The uh, company says it will notify key local, state, and federal stakeholders before it returns to the city. San Francisco is a great city to gather key learnings for self-driving technology given its complex and ever-changing environment. While we do not have an update as to exactly when we'll resume autonomous testing, receiving our testing permit through the California DMV is a critical step towards that end in Uber's home city. This comes from an Uber spokesperson in an email. The permit, which is issued by the California Department of Motor Vehicles, 
is the latest step by Uber's self-driving unit to ramp up a program that appeared destined to end just 18 months ago. Uber ATG ended all testing on public roads after one of its vehicles struck and killed a pedestrian in the Phoenix suburb of Tempe. Uber ATG was testing its self-driving vehicle in the Phoenix area, Toronto, Pittsburgh, and San Francisco. At the time, the company let go all 100 of its self-driving car operators in Pittsburgh and San Francisco, and rumors circulated that the company wanted to sell its self-driving unit. Uber ATG resumed in December of 2018 on road testing of its self-driving vehicles in Pittsburgh following the Pennsylvania Department of Transportation's decision to authorize the company to put its autonomous vehicles on public roads once again. Uber has also started mapping Washington, D.C. ahead of plans to begin testing its self-driving vehicles in the city this year. Initially, there will be three Uber vehicles mapping the area, a company spokesperson said. These vehicles, which will be manually driven and have two trained employees inside, will collect sensor data using a top-mounted sensor wing equipped with cameras and a spinning LiDAR. The data will be used to build high-definition maps. The data also will be used for Uber's virtual simulation and test track testing scenarios. Now, Uber intends to launch autonomous vehicles in Washington, D.C. before the end of 2020. Hedgehogs and Pumas don't typically go together well, but this new Puma X Sonic line of shoes and clothing is an exception. The new gear from athletic apparel company Puma arrives just a week before the Sonic the Hedgehog movie hits theaters. It's good timing, though it doesn't mean all the clothes are packed with movie references or quotes. The designs are all inspired by color schemes and iconic uh, scenes from classic Sonic games. A ring here, and you're too slow there. The centerpieces of the collection are two colorways for the RSX3 Sonic sneaker. One repping Sonic with blue, gold, red, and semi-transparent white, and the other going a little more shadow with black, red, and pops of lime green. Both designs are cool, but I would wear the heck out of the darker pair right now. I'm not even that big of a Sonic fan. I just think they look pretty cool. Other highlights of the collection include a t-shirt with a all-over print of Sonic and Knuckles facing off in some friendly competition and a minimalist blue hoodie that is guaranteed to make you the fastest treadmill jogger at the gym. You can pick up the new Puma X Sonic line for adults online and at Puma stores and, of course, selected retailers starting actually a couple days ago, with the kids lineup to follow on February 15th. England-based Ariel got our undivided attention when it announced plans to enter the electrified hypercar segment. That was back in 2017 now. The company hasn't said much about its aptly named hypercar project in the past three years, though it remains ongoing, and it told us it will reveal what it's accomplished 
since then by the end of 2020. You can expect something later in the year before the Low Carbon Vehicle Show, a company spokesperson revealed to Autoblog. The annual event is scheduled to open its doors on September 9th in Millbrook, England. It's where the original hypercar broke cover as a bare chassis without a body covering its underpinnings. Sketches released by Ariel in 2017 depicted a wide, low-slung hypercar with extreme aerodynamic add-ons. It looked nothing like the Atom. An aluminum platform helped keep the powertrain's weight in check. Certain things will have changed, the spokesperson warned, without providing additional details. For context, the concept unveiled in 2017 used an innovative gasoline-electric hybrid powertrain built around a turbine that sent the electricity it generated to in-wheel motors via a lithium-ion battery pack. This is just cool. Ariel quoted an output of 1,180 horsepower and 1,330 foot-pounds of torque when using all four motors, or 590 horsepower and 665 foot-pounds of torque with two motors and consequently two-wheel drive. Now, the hypercar was capable of reaching 60 miles per hour from a stop and 2.4 seconds in its quickest configuration, a figure which put it in elite company. Ariel originally planned to reveal the hypercar in 2019. The representative that uh, was contacted couldn't shed light on the nature of the delay, though keep in mind we're talking about a small company bringing a stupendously complicated car developed on a blank slate to market. Pricing and availability remain unknown. I'm sure you could have guessed that already. But we do expect the British firm will show more information about its next model in the weeks leading up to its unveil. Last week on the program, I told you about a partnership between IKEA and Teenage Engineering. Well, they're back again. Teenage Engineering's IKEA collection, the Freckvins line, has arrived in stores, and Teenage Engineering is already helping customers hack the products. The company has released free downloadable CAD files for a handful of DIY accessories that you can 3D print at home and attach to your Freckvin speakers and lights. The hacks include add-ons like cup holders to attach to the side of your speaker, handles and wheels for speaker and light combos, and a wall mount. Like the Freckvin's line, the accessories are blocky and modular with pops of bright red, yellow, blue, and teal, though you can choose your own colors and materials when you're printing them at home. Teenage Engineering says the limited collection is meant for parties, both at home and on the go. It's centered around LED spotlights that react to sound and portable speakers, which can be combined in your own unique setup. The products are fully compatible with Teenage Engineering synths, and now they're even more quirky and customizable. Urban Air Mobility Company Whisk has signed a memorandum of understanding with the New Zealand government. All this to begin a passenger transport trial across Canterbury 
in New Zealand. The trial will use WISC's electrified self-flying taxi, Cora, which has been in testing in the Canterbury region since 2017. We are delighted to have a signed agreement with the New Zealand government, which will propel Cora's entry to the air taxi market. We see this agreement as a sign of confidence in our product and abilities to develop and deliver a safe and reliable air taxi starting in New Zealand. This came from WISC CEO Gary Geisen. The trial is part of the New Zealand government's $3 million commitment made last year to establish an airspace integration trials program to test and develop unmanned aircraft. At the time, Zephyr Airworks was named as the first industry partner to participate in the program. Zephyr Airworks was renamed to WISC at the end of last year when a joint venture between Kitty Hawk and Boeing was established. The government sees great potential in the development of an innovative unmanned aircraft sector in New Zealand, and we are in a prime position to work with globally leading companies to safely test and go to market, Research Science and Innovation Minister Megan Wood said. As well as the economic and social benefits the growth of this industry offers, we also share WISC's vision of a greener, emission-free way for Kiwis and visitors to New Zealand to get around, enabling the emergence of an entirely electric air taxi service is a natural fit with New Zealand's zero carbon goal by 2050. The specific details regarding the trial parameters, timeframes, and the proposed routes are still being developed. Kitty Hawk had previously said bringing Cora to the commercial market in New Zealand matches the country's forward-looking vision and strong regulatory environment. We needed a place that was just as bold and dynamic in order to bring Cora to the commercial market, the company said in a blog post. A place that could be more than just a willing airfield that had a world-class reputation and certification and regulation, and a government and society with an eye to the horizon. And finally, happening in this week's What The, when the 50-second silent short film La Arrivi d'une Train en Gare de la Quiota premiered back in 1896, some theatergoers reportedly ran for safety at the sight of a projected approaching train. Thinking that a real one would burst through the wall at any time, Looney Tunes style. Now, a wild thought given the blurry, low-resolution quality of the original film. Thankfully, those panicky cinephile pioneers never saw the AI-enhanced upscaled version released by Denis Shuriev, or they would have absolutely flipped their lid. Shuriev leveraged a pair of publicly available enhancement programs to transform the original footage into a 4K 60 frame per second clip. Now, the effect isn't perfect by any means, in short, it looks great as a YouTube-sized piece, but blow it up to full screen, and, well, you kind of feel like the foreground objects and the interior of objects are pretty good. But if you look at the edges of things, well, stuff in the backdrop it seems to come apart a little bit. Even with its current shortcomings, though, the technique offers some enticing opportunities. Could we soon see a silent film renaissance? as their film stocks are digitized and augmented by AI. Only the future will tell. 
Thanks for watching your weekly tech update. If you have a story you think we should feature on the program, you need to send me an email, djraymcneil at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook at your weekly tech update and check out the podcast, audio and video versions available on iTunes, Google, Spotify, Audioburst, and elsewhere on the interwebs. Till next time, I'm Ray McNeil. Good night, world. Your weekly tech update brought to you by Holiday Home Care, Phillip Island, Victoria, Australia. It's your turn to relax. Before you get on holiday on the island, contact Holiday Home Care. We can set up your residence or holiday rental, do the shopping for you, provide linen and towels, and make sure it's all ready by the time you get here.